0: Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, welcome to another episode. I hope this episode finds you well, as well as you can be. And today's episode is a it's a real one, it's a raw one and it's necessary. And and that's because men for so long have been forced to deal, work with, navigate this emotional world that we live in without the tools. And it's like being thrown out to sea without a compass, without a boat, without a, you know, a paddle and just being forced to figure out your way. And that's a lot about what we talk about today. And today's episode is with Pellegrino Riccardi. And he's someone who is is really on that path and on that mission to to help men create a, a safer space for them to feel comfortable in their own bodies. And we talk about kind of the narrow range of emotions that men are supposed to expose or share or have and kind of the societal constraints that come along with that. So wherever you're at, if this is something that, you think is important to you, I'm excited that it's coming. If it doesn't seem that relevant to you, come at it with an open mind and see where you might be pushing away, suppressing, forgetting, ignoring the things that are perhaps most important to us. So without further ado, this is Pellegrino Riccardi. Pellegrino, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Show. Thanks for being here today, man.
1: Pleasure, thanks for having me in. Great to be here.
0: Our first question for all of our guests is really we just cut to the mustard. I'd love to know what's real and present. What's a challenge or a struggle that you're going through as a man, a father, a husband? What's real for you right now?
1: Me personally right now? I work for myself, I'm a public speaker, and the public speaking calendar goes in waves. Very intense and very not intense. And last year was crazy busy, wonderful. I'm going through this spell now where there's very little work and I'm trying not to let it get to me while at the same time I'm trying to understand why it gets to me without going into the details of my finances. I don't need the income, but it makes me feel inadequate. If I'm really honest, I'm not doing my job. And I've air quotes now. My job is to make this family feel safe. And one of the ways I do it is to earn money for the family because I am the sole provider in terms of financials. And yeah, I'm sitting here going, you know, it's fine, it's chill. It, the wave will come again. The wave will come again. And I can't help feeling as if I don't have a role, which then irritates me because, come on, there must be more to me. There are more facets to Pellegrino Riccardi than just being a provider.
0: Well, what's interesting is my son is four. And the only reason is I'm tracing it back here is because perhaps there's some thread where he gets bored and his boredom, what's really interesting is it turns to frustration or it turns to ire or to anger, and he can't sit in that boredom. And I tell him, it's okay to be bored. What I'm curious about is just, it seems to be there from the very beginning where there is this need or this drive
1: to do. Be useful. Yeah, to do, right? Right. And then, then, I mean, it's a cliche, but then we're not being human beings, we're being human doings, right? And just being, just being rather than doing all the time. And what gets me about your son there is, why does he respond with anger? Of all the emotions he could use or make use of, he turns to anger. He's not alone as a man. Because anger is a really legitimate feeling amongst men, isn't it? It's fine. Angry is cool. Angry is legitimate. Angry is cool. Angry shows power. Angry shows action, proactivity. I'm going to do something about it. And how do we do that? I'm going to get angry. (laughs) Let's get angry and everything. Then something will happen magically. I'm
0: curious because I was on a call with, we call it a band. It's a small group of guys and we meet every couple of weeks and we just hold space for each other to unload whatever's going on. And one of the things that came up is we had a guy in the group who had a really tragic anniversary and he has so much anger and he's throwing out this anger at the universe or god whoever it is and what i asked him is because i haven't experienced the depth of the severity of his tragedy but in the challenges that i've had and when i get anger i find myself asking those same questions but one of the questions that i ask is why why am i getting anger what does this serve and i'm curious if you think there is a higher purpose to anger or why yes it is accepted but how can men perhaps utilize or channel or see a higher value in something like that.
1: I work in the area of human behavior and communication, and there's something called WTF, which isn't what most people think WTF is. In behavioral terms, WTF is what the funk, meaning what's the function of the behavior? Every behavior has a function. So there's no such thing as a bad behavior. It has a function and the reason we get angry as human beings is a function is because it raises the testosterone, it makes us stronger, then we turn to action. That's the reason for it. What becomes a problem is prolonged anger or anger we can't control or anger that doesn't go away. It just sits inside your spine and your nervous system. That's a problem. So every behavior and every feeling and emotion has a function, but it needs to be regulated, right? And that's where the emotional intelligence part comes in. So anger isn't bad per se, but anger in the wrong place or prolonged anger can be a problem. Yeah, one
0: of the themes you bring up, the ability to function or navigate these emotions, and I think that's something that men are challenged with because they don't have the language.
1: It's like looking at Arabic or Chinese when you don't speak Arabic or Chinese. It's just, what am I looking at for some men, and some women too, but in my experience, predominantly men we just don't know the language we don't know how to express a simple feeling how are you doing today i'm good what's up i'm good yeah i've been kicking it killing it kicking it killing it angry things crushing right? it crushing it <laughs> it's all power all the time isn't it I've got a group of friends as well we hang around with, and I've got this little experiment going on at the moment where I'm trying to get them to describe what they're feeling. It's really difficult. They're at the point now where they kind of make fun of me but take me seriously as well. But they're also on their guard. Be careful what you say to Pellegrino. He might turn it into something in his talks, or he'll put it in his next book. (laughs) Yeah. They're not completely wrong. But they've got this clumsiness about expressing what they feel. They can talk. They can be analytical. They're very intelligent men, they're all educated, good jobs, but digging down inside and actually pulling something out inside that they really feel deep down, using a spectrum of words that describe feelings, that's quite difficult. Well,
0: i found doing some of this work that the emotions are painful, or it's much less painful to move into a different emotion. Like I realized that whenever I was sad, it would quickly turn to anger because that anger was easier to deal with and sit with. (laughs) And perhaps I even had mechanisms to process that anger. And then I didn't have that for sadness. It was only in recently where I would catch myself, why am I angry? It's like, oh, I was sad and that very quickly shifted. And I think that self-awareness, it's lacking.
1: But again, it's because angry is okay with men. Angry is good. Sad, not so good. What's the reaction to sad, you know, pull yourself together, cheer up, chin up. In the UK where I was raised, stiff up a lip, come on, pull yourself together. But angry is okay, because angry means action. I'm going to do something about it. You know, what the fuck, I'm going to, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're aware of something called the feelings wheel. Have you heard of the feelings wheel?
0: I was just going to bring it up. Yeah.
1: Oh, you've got the same thing. I love it. I don't know the whole, but those basic emotions in the middle, like they're like angry, sad, happy, bad. I can't remember the others. now. surprised. But then they all expand into more nuanced words that mean the same thing. Why don't we all know the feelings wheel by heart?
0: Well, to that, yes, and that really helped me. You know, there were times where I was in the middle of a funk and I'd have to look at the wheel to say, okay, what is this? And the more nuanced, you know, it helps. But what I've also realized is that most of the feelings on there, outside of a few, are uncomfortable. Even some of the positive emotions have uncomfortable parts to it. And I think a lot of men subconsciously move to the things that are most comfortable with us and we somehow end up in our way, into the anger channel or into whatever channel we're most comfortable.
1: Yeah, right, Uncomfortable, accepted is comfortable as well. It's accepted, therefore I go there. But try and go to another part of this wide range of feelings. Try and go somewhere like, I don't know, joyful. That word, joyful, joyful. And what kind of reaction would you get if someone said, how's it going? I'm feeling joyful today, followed by a quick fist bump. <laughs> yeah, man, joyful. Well, to your point,
0: if a guy said that, typically I might look at him a little funny. Traditionally, I might right? go, well, that, that's a little strange.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, I'm looking at the wheel now, actually, I'm cheating. I've pulled the wheel up here, you know? How's it going? And they say, I'm feeling fragile today. How about that for a response? Fragile meaning one of the same, in the same area, sad. Instead of sad, I'm feeling fragile. Oh, right. Look at that reaction. There's something in us as men that goes, come on, man, pick another word. <laughs> pick another word, please. D- say de- You say despair or depressed, or just say sad, man. What's with the fragile, you know?
0: Well, what comes up as you're saying this is I learned the hard way that I should not be dumping my unprocessed emotions on my family. My wife is not there to receive that. If I am sad, if I am in despair, That's okay, but that's not her load to bear.
1: No, No. but you could also explain what you're feeling without unloading, surely, right? For
0: sure. But where I was going and what you've been hinting at is the place where you can unload that is a group of men that can hold that. I'm sure that there are women that can hold that too, but most easily you're going to find that in a space of men who are able to take that and hold that for you so that you can process it and then come back to your family or come back to whoever without all the rawness there.
1: Well, let me challenge you on that then, Hector, all right? I agree with you with most of this wheel, but there's one part of the wheel I think men find extremely difficult to explore, and that's the fearful channel. How often do we hear in our group of friends, one of our friends saying something like, I'm feeling I'm feeling worthless, I'm feeling insignificant, I feel threatened, or the big one, the big one, I feel weak feeling weak. What, what do you mean weak? no weak? I can't, I can't take it. I can't handle life. I'm feeling weak, right? That's where it gets really interesting.
0: Right. And hopefully these types of conversations will make those types of conversations more possible, more real, right? Because the simple act of unloading that can be the difference in a place where it's received and in a place where strength is given back. And the problem was, is I did not have that. I didn't have that space. And it took me joining a dad's group and it took me getting involved. And it took me going deep. It took a series of uncomfortable steps to finally be able to be in there. Whereas the guys that I hung out with high school or the guys that we see when we're taking the kids to the pool, at least currently, is not the place where that can happen.
1: And what makes what you do even more important is the fact that you're doing it. It takes a lot of courage to do that as well. A lot of courage. And it feels, I dare to use the word, wrong. It just feels a bit wrong, doesn't it? That I'm doing this now. It's so important to have those conversations
0: well, it feels like, why, why did it take so long for me to realize this?
1: And why is this- Because you're not, you're not seeing it enough. Well, let me ask you another question. Where are the role models for doing that? I certainly didn't get it from my father. My father would never have these conversations. He would never have these conversations. So I didn't learn it from anybody. And then I look around my uncles and my cousins. I didn't learn it from them either. I wasn't modeling it anywhere. I wasn't copying it anywhere. I had to, back to the Chinese and the Arabic, it was like learning a new language. I had to learn from scratch. How do I do this?
0: Well, you bring up another theme that's come up on these conversations in the sense that we are not living in our father's or our grandfather's time anymore. The fathering, being a husband, being a father, being a provider, all of those things are so different than our father's and our grandfather's that We can't take their models into today's world and expect to succeed or thrive or even get away with it, even in some instances.
1: Well, at least we can take some of their world into it, but not all of it, not all of it. But on that one there, I mean, I see myself, since you ask what my role as a man, as a husband and a father, I'm basically a habit breaker. I'm changing, I'm breaking the chain. I'm breaking the chain that was handed down, the DNA chain of how we deal with problems, how we deal with threats, how as a man we deal with feeling inadequate. I'm trying to break that chain by doing something new and it's not comfortable. And like I say, my friends, They do respect me for it, but they kind of make fun of me. They can't help making fun of me, you know? I'm the sensitive one. But you know, in our last little outing we did, our last weekend, one of the guys, we'd had a few drinks and we were talking, and one of them said the deepest thing I'd ever heard from any of them. He said, if I came to the pearly gates and St. Peter asked me, which part of your life would you live again? Do you know what I'd say to him? I'd say, none of it, because it was all too boring. Wow, where did that come from? So the guy is basically saying... My life is boring. It doesn't really excite me. Apart from a couple of really (sighs) passing moments, I'd never knew that about him. And you would never guess it to look at the guy. Nicest guy on the planet. Funny, cool guy. And then this, where did that come from? And I loved it. And then we started. And we were away. It took a while to break that ice. But those are the conversations we should be looking for. And it's not just about showing weakness and vulnerability. I'm just saying that that is a hard thing to do for most men.
0: Well, yeah. And it's so backwards because in those conversations, you end up realizing how in solidarity you actually are. There's so much of going through the same thing. There's so much relatability in that guys miss out on because they tried to have this image or this face or whatever it is that prevents them from actually connecting on a deeper level and actually being stronger through it. It's interesting because I think about my dad and the way that he connected with his friends and he came in from a pretty rough upbringing so there was a very machismo attitude to it but at the detriment i think of his emotional well-being right like i look at some of the things that it created and i hope that younger people can see the advantage of being in communion and community with guys like that
1: and also we shouldn't underestimate how difficult it is You know, It's not a case of just do it. It's not a Nike advert. It's not just do it. You have to start somewhere and learn like anything else. I just had this thing happen in our family now. I'm going to share a little story with you. So my 11-year-old daughter, she has a dwarf hamster, which is a hamster, but much, much smaller. Cutest thing on the planet. And we just had to put her down, actually. She got a tumor in her leg, which was cancerous and that's it. The vet said, sorry, but this is going. And we'd noticed that her leg wasn't well, but she'd never displayed any signs that anything was wrong with her. And that's when the vet explained to us that hamsters are animals of prey and your survival depends on one thing. It's never showing any weakness or vulnerability in nature. Otherwise, you're an easy for the predator. So this hamster was hiding its pain for possibly months and we had no idea. And by the time we did have an idea, in other words her leg, the tumor got so big we couldn't ignore it, it was too late.
0: That's men right there.
1: Right, that's men right there. Because we feel, if we show any weakness now, the predators around me are gonna get me. So I'm gonna pretend I'm okay. And in the end, it will kill you. Perhaps though, Perhaps that was true. It was true once, of course it was, it was true. Right, I think
0: that there's some really interesting things that are happening with men and and we are, I think, blessed to be living at this time of transformation because for the longest time, it was men's duty to go out of the home and pushed the frontiers to settle and colonize. And there was new land to be settled. And so our energy was directed outward. We've just hit the point where everything has been settled and there's no more land to go out and conquer necessarily. The next frontier, I believe, is at home. And I think that's why so many men are being, I don't want to say forced into their roles at home, but I think it's actually a natural evolution. While women are having this rise in their careers and whatever, men are spending more time at home i'm doing it and so maybe i'm just trying to rationalize it but i'm looking at what is the value in this what's the grander thing that's happening here where men can now bring the positive aspects of masculinity to the home which it's been missing for so long perhaps
1: which is the dilemma of modern masculinity because modern masculinity isn't about denying the past not at all But is how can we adapt it to today's world? And that is a really tricky job, isn't it? To find that balance. How do we do that? That's what I feel I'm struggling with every day. But the home, I mean, my father, I'm the son of immigrants, right? So my father moved from Italy and my mother from Italy to the UK. They didn't integrate very well. Their language skills were terrible. Their English was awful. So it didn't take long before they became outsiders, working, earning, but never part of society, not really. And what I found was that my father just got treated like an idiot most of the time because of his low education, his language skills or lack of language skills. And so the only place where he felt he could be of any use and be significant was at home. And how could he best do that? By imposing his power on everybody and by getting angry a lot of the time. The anger. I'm, you know, nobody's taking my home. This is my home right? And it wasn't just violent anger, it was also subtle things like, we never ate English food, always ate Italian food, at least when he was in the house. When he was working, my mother would sneak in the fish and chips and the English food for us. Because we were British Italians, we went to English schools. We were basically English. And then we'd come home and we'd be in Italy again. And everything in our house was Italian. The only thing that wasn't Italian was the TV. That's his way of imposing his power. You can make fun of me and ridicule me in public, he would say, but not in my house. That need to just be significant, dominant, strong.
0: One of my favorite books, and I'm rereading it right now, is King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. Are you familiar with it?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read that a while ago. Yeah, I'd have to reread it myself, actually.
0: And it, it talks about the positive aspects of the king. It, it says that we can always slip into the negative displays of it. But this this ability to provide, and a friend recently told me, I was going through some challenges, and he was like, you're the purveyor of your family. And I was like, oh, A, I like that word. That sounds makes me sound <laughs> you know significant, a purveyor.
1: Purveyor. God, I'm uh, going to have to look that word up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's a, but what he meant was that all these good things started happening for the people in your life because of you. You were at the center of creating all of this, not you know, not only success or w- whatever it is, but all these great things were a result of your really stability, right? And that's what kings bring is they bring stability in the midst of this kind of chaos and i think that in your dad's instance in my father had similar expressions of that but i think that's what they were trying to hold on to it was that sense of providing a sense of creating order almost in a world of chaos which is what that king part of the masculinity is
1: trying that's to- really interesting that is stability word stability and steadfastness and being kind of stoic and even the facial expressions i've mentioned this before to other people. One of the most interesting things I've read about is the beard. Beards. Because we have facial hair. But beards were very useful in the old days in battle because beards would disguise the micro expressions of fear on our face. In other words, the bushier the beard, the more difficult it was to tell a man was afraid because he wouldn't twitch. You wouldn't see the twitches and the little, the, the worried look on the mouth. And as we're talking here, I just Googled medieval kings And I would say 80% of the pictures that just came up on Google, they all have beards. Beards, stability, strength, stoicism, dealing with it, yeah? And we've got to take that and adapt that to the modern world today, and it doesn't always work. I've felt that, certainly, where I've tried to be so steady, stable, strong, the purveyor of comfort in our household. I've had to pay a price for it. You know, I've become sick. I've become like my daughter's dwarf hamster hiding it all the time and it just eats at you and in the end it will kill you and if it doesn't kill you you could damage someone else
0: yeah it's this ability to unload i think you said it you said that the anger is attached to our spine right it's in our nervous system for me one of the things that's really helped for me is is working out the pandemic hit i started really working out a lot more but really over the last six months or so i've taken that even up a notch. And I love that I am in better shape than I was in high school, and I fit into the pants. All of the physical attributes are fantastic, and the vanity, if I was going for that, would be there. But the number one thing that I love and that I get, and the reason I keep doing it, is the emotional strength, the wringing out of those emotions, the sweating. If I don't sweat, my emotional stability is just shot for that day or it's not where it could be.
1: But there are some important chemical reactions going on in your body that help you do that. The very complex reactions, sweat, hormones, neurotransmitters being emitted from your brain every time you exercise, especially physically. And it's one of the things at school, you know, boys need to run around. They need to release energy. They need to climb trees, kick each other, fight, tumble. Uh, And if you look in nature, male cubs if you want to call that and female cubs they're releasing energy all the time and they're doing it in a free way and some of those ways are quite violent and aggressive right i mean i'm not sitting here saying we should all start being violent in schools but we need outlets for this as well as human beings which is where exercise comes in well even for adults right even adults i feel we live in a world today where you can't even express an opinion anymore without being trolled or crucified or bloody cancelled or that is the equivalent of going to the gym and being forced to sit on a chair on the side watching others exercise that is not healthy that is not healthy yeah there's a
0: couple of things a i hadn't really thought about stifling your voice because that was something that came up a few months ago i was at a retreat for a bunch of other dads and one of the speakers quoted some book that didn't make the Bible but it was something to the effect that what you keep within will destroy you what you bring forth will save you to the idea of the things that you suppress are going to be the things that eat away at you I've thought about that physically but when you talk about your voice I hadn't considered that especially because so many guys these days they don't have a voice they take the back seat they're just very passive they end up not putting up those boundaries they don't end up voicing it and then they end up getting resentful or lashing out afterwards you know
1: That's where people like Jordan Peterson come in. They provide a voice for a lot of these men who feel they don't have a voice. He's very good at putting into words a lot of frustrations that young men have today. And it is really difficult. Where's the voice? We talk about men's role and what is the role of men today. I ask a question, what is the voice of men today? What is it we're saying? What is it we're allowed to say anymore? It's like, are you willing to take the risk to say what you really think, especially in a public arena like this is, the podcast?
0: I had a lot of hesitation. I put off starting this show for a very long time because... I knew it was just a topic that could be, I don't know, but it was that thing that like I've got to do this despite any of the repercussions, or I had one person say that I was being sexist because I was starting this, all these sorts of things, but I think that's powerful. Pellegrino, this has been good. We've danced to a lot of places. We haven't really hit on the core of, you've got a book out there that talks about some really intense experiences that I think relate a lot to things that I'm going through. And so I'm curious, I'd love for you to share that story, but- We're going to do that right after this quick break. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media. And we are a podcast production company that is interested in bringing out your genius. So if you have a message, a mission, a purpose, something that you want to bring to the world, we can help. Go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com. And you can check the show notes for all the info. Now let's get back to today's episode. Pellegrino, before we hit record, we were talking about similar experiences that we had shared. And you actually wrote a book. The book is called Drowning Quietly. And I read the first couple of chapters. If I'm being real, it was a little little too close to home. So perhaps that's why I put it down because I was in the midst. These last several months have been a real crucible for me. And so I'm excited for you to share that story or share whatever you feel is relevant to the listeners and what that whole book is
1: about. The book starts where... I leave my three-year-old daughter unattended by a swimming pool. What kind of person does that? What kind of man does that? So I basically explore why I did that because that is, you know, I left her by a swimming pool, three years old, unattended. A lot of people read the first chapter and then they have to put the book down. I get lots of messages from people after they read the first chapter. So I explore that. And one of the things I talk about is anger. One of the things I talk about is this obsession to be, as you put it, the purveyor in the family, the provider, the stability. And the other obsession is to please my wife. So I talk a lot about love. And love is a really interesting concept because in order to really create love, in my opinion, you have to do something which is really difficult to do for people, let alone men. Because I've got this definition of love and I want to read it out to you. I say that love is about giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting they won't use it. Love is about giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting they won't use it. You cannot love without being vulnerable and opening yourself up. And you trust that the other person won't use that against you. And here's the worst part. Sometimes when you do that, they will hurt you, which makes it harder to love the next time. So I talk about love throughout the book, love of my daughter, love of my mother, love of my wife. Because what I do is I try to describe me as a man through the eyes of the most important women in my life, my mother, my wife, my daughter, looking in the mirror to see who I am. Why? Hopefully so it brings about change. And the book is an exploration on that change. Because I did change. I have changed. I'm not finished with the project. It's an ongoing project. But I do a couple of things in that book which are unapologetically honest and raw and not very nice. Why do I do that? It's not a Facebook post. It's not an Insta post. I'm not looking for likes and, oh, poor you. I'm not the victim. I want people to know that the stories I tell are very common to very many men. And it's okay to share the stories because then you're trusting others to love you back you're hoping that the information you give them they won't use it against you after but it will connect you that's what the book is about and i tell stories i talk about my family immigrants moving myself to norway i talk about how difficult it was to get pregnant we went through ivf treatment i talk about ivf one in seven couples Go through IVF. That's the population of Nigeria. Men. If you can't impregnate a woman as a man, if there's nothing else, it, it, think about the world we live in now. What is it that men can do that women can't do? There aren't many things that men can do that women can't do. And, and fine. There's one thing that we can do that women can't do. There's one thing that women do need us or at least one part of us in order to bear children. That's our trump card. That's all we've got left now. That's all we have. The male sperm is the only thing now that women don't have. You need me (laughs) to propagate the work, right? (laughs) But but, But in a good way, not that they need us. We need them because we can't make babies, right? And that's the last thing on this planet where we know we have to collaborate in order to keep the human race going. So I talk about all these areas of manhood where lots of men struggle with their personal stories about me, but I hope that people identify with them as well.
0: They're all relatable. And I think that was the thing. I had to put it down because we all see something in ourselves about it. What I'm curious, just for perhaps my own selfishness, is in the midst of those, I don't know what you want to call it, internal dilemmas where you're dealing with an external situation, which is IVF and all of the external challenges, but then internally, it's writing the story or it's impacting this internal story that you're telling yourself. So I'm curious what that was like navigating the internal story and then if it ever
1: played out. Well, first of all, you say it took you a long time to get your podcast together, to actually do it. It took me 10 years to write the book. I'd written the book in my head 10 years years ago. But am I going to really reveal all this shit? But then I started telling close friends, what do you think? What do you think? All of them said, you have to write this. You've got to write this. You've got to. People need to hear this. This is really important. Okay. Any therapist will tell you that a really simple DIY form of therapy is just to write it down and also to write stories. Because when you write a story, you give that event meaning, especially ugly events. So the ugly event of leaving my daughter by a swimming pool unattended, I need to rationalize that. Not excuse myself, explain it. Where's that coming from? And you can only do that by going deep inside yourself and trying to understand yourself, self-insight. I'm writing a story to explain to myself why I did something like that. I've got to do it because I need to make sense of it. And I think a lot of men don't even get to first base when it comes to making sense of emotions and things they're feeling. They don't even start. They just sit there with this pressure cooker of shit bubbling away until it explodes one day. And there's an explosion episode in the book. There are two, actually. And I talk about how they happened, why they happened. What did it do to me? I honestly believe I am a better person isn't the right word. I understand myself better. Therefore, I'm able to regulate and moderate what I do about some of the really dark feelings I have. I really do. It was, a, it was a great form of therapy, and I hope it helps other people. In fact, I know it does help other people. I get lots of lovely messages from people, not just men, There are a lot of men who say how much it helped them to understand who they are.
0: Yeah, and I love that it's a memoir and the fact that it tells the story because so much of men and what we think we want is the tactics and the bullet points and the the give No, me, no, 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 Give no. me the cliff notes, right? But No, no, sudden, no. <laughs> you hear the story and it's a different it's a different thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. You got to write your story as well. You got to write your own story. I mean, readers, not all readers have gone through IVF, but all readers, all male readers, I know pretty much all of them will have this DNA of reproduction inside them. And there are lots of Men who've gone public in the UK and the US have had similar struggles as well. It does something to them. If you want a child as a man and you can't make it happen, wow, that is so... It's as if you have no function to nature, to nature, not to society, to mother nature. What are you doing here? It's that deep. It's an existential problem. Why am I here? At least that's how I felt it. So tell the story. Yeah, you're right. It's not about bullet points. I also do workshops and courses on uh, cross-cultural communication. And when I turn up, they think I'm going to give them, when in Japan do this, when in the US, useless, useless. (laughs) Because the world is much more complex. But what I do to give them is lots of stories, examples, and tools and models to understand people of other nations and cultures. If you know what to look for, and there's nothing more empowering than understanding, I understand so much about myself now.
0: The book is called Drowning Quietly, Memoir of a Man's Shortcomings. It's available on Amazon. Go get it. Is there anywhere else people should go and stay connected with you?
1: The easiest way to find me is to Google Pellegrino, Norway, because I believe I'm the only Pellegrino in Norway. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But you have to ignore all the pictures of sparkling water. I've got nothing to do with the water. So ignore the sparkling water. There's a football player in uh, Norway called Pellegrino, but that's his surname. Pellegrino is my first name. So Pellegrino Riccardi, Norway. They can find me on Instagram as well. I like putting little films out about Norway. I put one out today about we're still snowing here. It's doing my head in. We've got six month long winters. I can't handle it. So yeah. Easy to find.
0: Guys, go get connected. And my last question for you, Pellegrino, is what does modern masculinity mean to you?
1: Personally, for me, it means, I think I kind of mentioned it before. For me, it means taking the good of the traditional male, like strength and stability and calm and action, anger, action through anger, good anger, taking the good old male, but adapting it to society we live in, which... The thing that's missing today for the modern male is the ability to understand and articulate the, the spectrum of feelings we're feeling on a daily basis. Because without understanding them, without learning the language of emotions, of human behavior, it's like being dumped in the middle of a foreign country and not speaking the language.
0: Such a great conversation, Pellegrino. i have to have you back for round two.
1: I loved it. It was really good
0: fun. And guys, thanks so much for being with us today. If you guys enjoyed today's conversation, please leave a rating or review wherever you guys listen to your podcast. If you have a buddy, a friend, a guy, a gal who's going through some of these things, share this episode with them. And then I'd encourage you to take one thing from today's episode, one thing, go out, implement it, execute it, let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear about it. Thanks for being part of the Modern Masculinity Tribe, guys. We'll see you later, y'all.